When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Podcast Network, SoCal Sweat. My name is Ann McDaniels, a former NFL cheerleader and product manager turned actress and model who dreams of being a UFC fighter. Meow. Learning strategies to help motivate others leads me to bring you interviews each week from a range of athletes, experts in fitness and nutrition, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Believe, the number one podcast for working professionals. And let's push our endorphins to higher performance through SoCal Sweat. What does it mean to dig your deepest? Well, Los Angeles fitness trainer Missy Berkowitz knows a thing or two about that phrase. In fact, she named her fitness empire Dig Your Deepest, or DYD. Dig Your Deepest is a revolutionary approach to personal fitness and lifestyle. It is based on the belief that the most important step to turning a hope or want into reality is to be mentally, physically, and spiritually ready for it. Through Missy's unique coaching and training services, you can transform your lifestyle. Missy believes the fitness industry can be really aesthetically focused, but she fundamentally believes that when we get back to what fitness is really intended for, which is to be stronger, healthier, fight obesity, improve cardiovascular health, we're doing it right. Missy incorporates many of her online programs with an apparatus called a Strongboard Balance Board, which is an innovative approach to core and strength stability. Missy would love to offer all the listeners a 25 to 40% discount code off shipping at the end of the podcast. And without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to Missy Berkowitz of Dig Your Deepest. Well, hello there, Missy Berkowitz of Dig Your Deepest. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks, Anne. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I love, first of all, your personal training program is called Dig Your Deepest. How did you come up with that? And please also tell us your change from corporate America to fitness. Yeah, I don't know how I came up with it. I think it just came to me and I knew I liked it. But then, you know, starting a business was such a new thing. And everybody said, you know, just make sure you find all the possible names and that one just stuck with me. So I just think it's because that's what people have to do when they work out mentally and physically, you're always kind of digging to get the most out of you. So it just seemed like it was the right name. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially during quarantine. And what type of, what did you do in corporate America? Was it sort of training or did I see IT? I worked in IT. My last role, I was uh, associate director, which is just a fancy way of saying that I managed a team of business analysts in um, IT. So I, you know, we worked on projects that had to do with taking like business requirements. And then we were kind of the middleman to understand what that would translate to for the system side of it and how things would get built. So we were kind of in the middle doing a lot of. So that. you were already good at communications and relaying, especially with IT professionals, which can be tough, but yeah. your passion was always fitness. Did that yeah. come from childhood sports or? No, the opposite. I didn't grow up doing sports or anything. And I was kind of the kid who was like, you know, I was on the sidelines. I managed um, 
I did like the stats for varsity basketball for the boys team. So I was more behind the scenes. I never felt like an athlete or anything. And then I think probably like after college, I just started working out more and it's kind of just evolved and gotten a bit more intense the older I got and just, you know, getting into different things. So yeah, but it was never something I didn't grow up athletic or anything. But it was still a, a, a still a passion. And yeah. um, when you left corporate America, did you get a lot of naysayers like, oh, you shouldn't do this? People kind of like, oh, you know, we should stay here. It's more safe. What prompted you to really make the move? Because I've done the same and it's always interesting <laughs> to hear. I, I think for me, well, for one thing, uh, you know, I, I kind of asked to be let go because the, the company I was in, they do layoffs regularly. And I knew that I would never just walk in one day and say, that's it, I'm going to start over. And so I kind of put the, so I put the word out. It was known that if it happened. And so that's, that's how it played out. And I'm lucky I had good relationships with management. And so, you know, it was the perfect scenario for me to leave on my own because it's such a hard thing to do, which is why so many people don't do it. And so sure. to your question, I got a combination of, of reactions. I had a lot of people that I think had that envy of, I wish I could go pursue something that I'm much more excited about, but you know, I have family, I have a mortgage and all these things. And so for a lot of people, they probably will never do it. Um, so I had a lot of that support and it came out a lot, which is amazing. And it really has helped me with my business because I have kind of people that are my uh, support and they just are always rooting for me and helping. Um, but I did get people that are, have said, you know, I tried doing the training thing in Los Angeles, everybody's doing it. It's really hard. You can't make money. And you know, you're one of a million people, everybody's doing that. And so I don't know, I tried to just not focus on that because that's somebody else's experience that doesn't have to be mine. And so I just kind of, you know, felt like I was guided. I spent a lot of time, before I left with the spiritual healer and that really helped get me ready and opened me up to understanding that there's something more I should be doing than IT. <laughs> so sure. Yeah, it just kind of all aligned. No, it's interesting you touched on that because, you know, as a personal trainer that that you are, and I'm an actress. And um, again, a dime a dozen. Oh, we go to LA, everyone's an actress, but everyone's a, you know, and everyone's a trainer. But the difference is, you know, it's it's a passion and it's fun to do, but it's also a business. Right. So you have to have that business acumen. You have to be able to follow up with clients. And and it's not just like everyone loves working out, but to matter of keep your keep your um, clients accountable and know how to teach them and and be interesting enough as a trainer that they're going to go back to you. So I think it's such an infrastructure of business with art that people a lot of people quit because it's they don't know how to do that part and they may be they may be awesome trainers but they're not good at the business side yes. so yeah I understand that that's fantastic now you do a lot of virtual training and you had been at a gym and the gym laid off a lot of their personal trainers and so that's how your virtual training came about correct well, they didn't so much lay off. I was an independent contractor technically, and I had just switched gyms. I was at a different place through uh, last year and it wasn't quite the right fit. And they had decided, they had decided to lay off their, maybe that's what you're thinking of. They had decided to lay off their trainers at the former gym. Right. And at the time it was really stressful. It was the holidays and, you know, just kind of, why didn't they give anybody notice? It was a really hard situation, but I found something pretty quick. And I was all excited. I started at another gym, um, El Segundo Athletic Club, at the beginning of the year. And I love everybody there. They've all been very supportive. And then, of course, the pandemic and the quarantine hit. So, you know, two and a half months in, that that kind of went away for now, at least. Uh, so I switched everything, like, day one, pretty much, to virtual. Um, and I'm fortunate because I know a lot of trainers haven't had as much, you know, of their clients transitioning with them. A lot of people stopped and they've lost business. And I'm really grateful that I've kept 100% of my clients 
and I've gained more clients as well. So I feel really blessed that I'm in that position. And because you have that business background, I think that really, really helps. And so you do a lot of um, outdoor, outdoor training, correct? I had been doing, I would do boot camps kind of on and off. And so those would be outside at parks. And I trained a few people outside, but everybody else was training, you know, in, in their homes. Or I, I train a law firm. And so I would go to their office and we would train in their conference room. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Would you do, it would it be a class format or just like one-on-ones? It was a class format and they're great. They've stayed with me too. And so now I do virtual for them every week and they've opened it up to other offices as well. So it's been awesome because now they have that's- more coming in and yeah so it's been amazing you're surely needed because i think lawyers are very stressed out right now especially the divorce lawyers according, yeah. to, law, according to many people they're needing to work out and, and blow off some steam and you also did a lot of corporate fitness in the beginning didn't you no i the only real corporate thing i've had is the law firm i so uh-huh. i've done i've been doing that since i think we started piloting it probably in the fall and then i've been consistently training them since probably october or november Okay. Every week, yeah. Interesting. And then recently, you paired up with Strong Board Balance, or oh, Strong? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Strong Board Balance. What are? The, what, what is that type of apparatus and fitness equipment? Sounds really it's, interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, it's hard. I'm trying to describe it. It's basically two boards, and there's four springs that go between the top. And so the idea is that it's not a stable surface, and so you have to create that stability with your core and all your muscles, and you know, kind of getting it so that you're not, you know, fall off of it, but there's so many ways to use it. And I'm really grateful for that as well, because they, the owners happen to live a couple blocks from me and have been following me on social media and reached out, um, which is a funny story in itself. But anyways, they, um, they came to me. And so I got a board from them Then they gave me like three more and then I had six. And so I was able to do strong board classes and everybody has been loving them. And they even went virtual with that. The company let me loan them out because mine are technically loaners. So I loaned them out to my clients. And so we've resumed doing that. They've been really happy. But yeah, I mean, I just love it because it's it's one piece of equipment. You can do a million things with it. It recruits more muscles in any one movement you do. You burn more calories. It's just really helps people with their balance, preventing fall and injury and things like that. And so, yeah, it's been a big piece of my, my, uh, my workouts with my clients. Sure. And- I mean, that's solid core muscles, obliques, everything, but glutes, yeah. <laughs> thighs. It's fin- Is it, are there long and short boards like, like for surface to practice on land and then go, is it kind of a surf manipulation? No, it's, it, there's two different versions of it. They're both the same other than one of them. The Springs is a little bit, they're shorter. So that way it's, it's a little bit easier um, than the other one, but no, they're probably, I don't know. I mean, like they're maybe like quite long. They're not that big. They're not like a surfboard size, but they're uh size, but no, they're, they're really effective. And oh, I need to check that out. Very yeah. cool. I'll have to show you one when we can uh, be in person. Cause I absolutely. Think- and I can't wait to get on one because <laughs> not being able to work out, you know, is, is really, really tough, which is why I really wanted to do this podcast as well, because I have such an appreciation for being an athlete and being able to have to do fitness and you can only do so much with when you're on, you know, crutches or having a surgery or injury. So Anyway, I will be checking. I will be, you're going to, you're one of the first programs I'm going to go to when I get off of these. So, you know, I was very interested reading your background, Missy, that you are a behavioral change therapist and you were certified through ACE, which is the, um, which is also a personal training certification. And I know you got it two years ago, but I think it's fascinating because in fitness, losing weight, 
gaining weight as far as, you know, sometimes bodybuilders like yesterday, there was a guy in my building, he's a bodybuilder and he's so disgruntled because he's lost 20 pounds of muscle and he has, and he had a show, but those shows were canceled, like the IFBBs and things like that. And he, he can't order any weights that would be that heavy that he needs right. to lift. Mm -hmm. And so he's been doing everything like lifting rocks, but it's tough. So, you know, you're, you're, the, you're, you're very important right now for people at home, but behavioral change therapy, I mean, I, I think of how many people would try to lose weight and then they'd go to a trainer and they would go and they would spend a lot of money and they would mo go through the motions, but then they would go through the McDonald's drive through twice a day. Mm -hmm. And then they would get mad at their trainer as far as like, well, I'm not losing weight, but yet they know that probably deep down they're accountable. So in your behavioral change therapy or just in your training as you know, in general, how do you combat some of these fears? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, and some people, to be honest, I think like no matter how many tools they have and no matter what I say, if they're not ready for it, they're not going to do what they need to do. You know, I had somebody once who really just didn't want to change his nutrition and still wanted to eat, you know, ribs and a lot of you know, higher calorie fatty foods and drink beers and, you know, thought by drinking light beer that that was okay. And, you know, when you're at a point where you have substantial weight to lose for health reasons and you're not willing to give something up, it doesn't matter what you do in the one or two hours you train. I mean, that's not going to reverse anything. So I shouldn't say reverse anything, but it's not going to solve anything. And so, you know, people like that, I mean, he, he left, like he came, did a couple months then disappeared, came back for classes when I did them, but same thing would do a few and always was doing these crazy diets. And, you know, that's just somebody that I've come to accept. Like they're not my client because I can only help people who really want that change. And so I think the idea of like the certification that I got through NSA, NASM, and, you know, just my experience as managing people, you know, there's a line between what I can do and some people, if it's not for them, it's not for them. So I think, you know, so I just focus on the people who do want to make a change and understand the guidance that they need and the tools to help them change their perspective um, on, you know, how they have to do it. And so, but, you know, they have to come in with a willingness to do it. I can't do that for them. I would just think when you're spending money, you would want to, but, but there's so much self-sabotage in the fitness and, or just with weight. I mean, that's one of the main subjects that people get stressed about weight and money. I yeah. mean, just, they want us a magic pill or they want the special diet, like, like the crash diets, those don't, you know, like the vinegar diet and the, you know, cabbage soup diet. That's great for a fast change, but that's not withstandable. Even some of the ketos, you can't like right. stay on that that long. So it's just such a problem and everybody wants a quick fix. But as we know, it's surplus and deficit with exercise. Sometimes diet can be about 90% of it. And then you, you must add the exercise for muscle tone and things like that. So do you see a major commonality with some of the, some of the problems that are coming in as far as like the, is there a, a continuous same mindset that you have to change? I feel like, I think the more that I train people, the more that the people that come to me, I feel like they're closer aligned with what I kind of believe in. So I'm not having to battle people and as much as I maybe used to think I needed to, to kind of get them to make changes. I think the the things that I encounter with people is more that they're really hard on themselves and people are very unforgiving 
you know, they have a bad workout and they think that means they're going to be overweight forever and they're never going to progress. And so I feel like that's more of what comes my way in terms of how I can help people than the people who just want to, you know, kind of eat whatever they want and do the minimal amount of work. And, you know, I, so I'm kind of like, I, you know, I've learned the longer I do this, that just kind of walk away from people that if, and, and also those type of people would stress me out as a trainer, I would start dreading being around them. They would frustrate me. I'd have to bite my tongue a lot, you know? And so I feel like it's, and you're from Jersey. So you probably have, have a fast, (laughs) (laughs) don't mess with Jersey. I don't have the most patience all the time. Like, you know what, if that's what you want to do, go do it, but flip a table. (laughs) That's funny. I want to just take people's money and, and, you know, and ultimately, if they don't do the things they need to do, they're not the clients that stay anyway. So they're kind of yeah. doing me a favor if they weed themselves out sooner. Sure. So you do take a little bit of a softer approach because I noticed in one, one part of, of your bio, it said you're not one of those screaming personal, personal trainers that like, you know, makes the person feel so badly about themselves or you're just more of a soft approach, but you kind of hold them accountable still. Yeah, I think in my in my groups, I can be a little bit more not a yeller, but I think like it, they're just it's harder to manage a group of people. And when 10 people are doing something different, you're like, why isn't anybody doing a full squat? You guys, you can do this. I just saw you do it. So I'll get in those moments. But I think with my one on ones, I'm much more, you know, I listen to where what they're feeling. I mean, training people, there's an element of being their therapist and you know what their day and their week has been like before they come into a session is going to have a big impact. So you know, especially now with quarantine, and some of it's my therapy, because I live by myself, I have my own stresses. So there's always that point of, of, you know, when we start a session that we don't just jump right into the warm up, there's usually a couple minutes of like, how was your day? You know, and they tell me if they've been stressed out, or they didn't get to move that much, and they're feeling bad. So, you know, I kind of get that side of it that you have to kind of be empathetic to what people are feeling. And and then I know how to push them and how to motivate them in that session. That's great. And I feel like a lot of people too, others will self-sabotage them. Let's just say there's a group of women and one, they've all been friends. They've always been going out to happy hours and eating fried foods together. And one particular one you know, wants to change her lifestyle and lose some weight and get in better shape. And then all of a sudden she's sort of shunned from that group. Do you ever see that happening where the other people want to bring them down as opposed to helping them because they're either jealous of that or just kind of like, well, you're not one of us now. Do you ever see that in some of your clients? I see it from the standpoint of that, you know, if somebody's really active, like I'm, I think of a client who's very active and, you know, she's very intentional about what she puts into her body and she will maybe drink from time to time, but it's not just because like she has, you know, she, she'll think about like, okay, is this what I want to be doing? And, you know, if I'm celebrating a friend, like, of course I'll have a glass of wine, but I think people get like someone like her. And there's a lot of people like that where they, they get stressed out because they get in these social situations and they feel that pressure and they have to, you know, and I've been in that where you feel like you have to justify your choices instead of just being like somebody offers you a slice of cake or a glass of wine and you just don't want it. And you have to say why, you know, like, uh, you know, and just people shouldn't have to do it. So I feel like I get the, that side of it where people will have kind of like frustration or guilt. I don't know if they are at the point where they're kind of like taken out of a social, you know, circle, but I think they feel the pressure to, to just stick to what makes them happiest. Sure. It, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, people lose friends over it or even people get divorced if one get, 
you know, becomes in really great shape. And then there's jealousy. And I'm sure you hear all of these things, which is why I was so interested in hearing about behavior change therapy. I mean, even that program, new, is it called Noom, where it kind of keeps you, it's all this, it's all psychology of it because- yeah. Um, overeaters, undereaters, there's so many things. And have you seen severe eating disorders come in? And, and is sometimes is that, do you have to reach in your back pocket and look at that training that you got to see how to deal with that? Or is that kind of rare? I, for me, I think it's rare. I mean, I think it's common that people have an unhealthy relationship with food and even just from like a fitness perspective, recovery, you know, people have to know that you need to recover. And even in workouts, I have some clients that like want to just go through sets and I'm like, hang on, like there's a reason for resting and you're not doing your body a favor if you just rush through everything, if it's like a strength stuff. And so I think, um, I don't get necessarily like eating disorders, but you know, I train somebody who's overweight and I, I know she has a lot of, you know, things around that, that cause her a lot of like depression and anxiety. Um, and, you know, and there's some things that are beyond my scope of what I can really help. Like I can help coach as much as I can, but, you know, I would refer people out and say, Hey, if you know, you're having trouble, you know, you're using food right now during quarantine to self-soothe. Like I don't really have the tools to help somebody not do that, you know? And so I'll refer out to somebody and say, Hey, here's a coach that can work with you, or here's somebody that can show you a technique. And so, you know, I think in those cases, kind of just defer them to somebody else that's more qualified. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I don't think I have like textbook necessarily eating disorders, but definitely flavors of things that, you know, are more extreme for somebody. Sure. And then you know how to use those resources and you also partner with dietitians, correct? I will. Yeah. I mean, my sister's a dietitian, so oh. I always, I've been like a little bit biased. That's why I don't really tackle nutrition because I think there's a lot of people that try to fit somebody into a box and everybody's got, you know, very individualized needs and everybody has, you know, everybody's just different. You know, I know from my own health experiences, like I couldn't just go to a dietitian and have somebody, if I wanted to lose weight or something and say, you know, here's your macros, like they don't know what's going on with everything else. And I could be eating things that are going to cause inflammation, et cetera. Sorry. Um, I just went down a rabbit hole, but no, so I, I'm always kind of biased, like when it comes to nutrition and and I don't touch it really because I think they need to go to, they should go to somebody else. Sure. That's- and I got in trouble one time because I used to be a boot camp instructor and um, a lot of people would come to me like, what are you eating? What, you know, what, what should right. I do? And I started telling them like, oh, you could do this, this, this. And I got taken aside and they said, that's illegal. You cannot be you know, <laughs> counseling on nutrition because you're not a certified nutritionist. And I felt so bad. And I realized the only thing you can say legally is this is what I do. But I'm not telling you what to do. This is what I do. And really emphatically say it like three times because you can get (laughs) nailed. And I I could have gotten in huge trouble because a lot of people were asking me and I was like, oh, sure, let's sit down. And I'm not a nutritionist. So it was dangerous. It's something that would be interesting for me to go back to and pursue. But that's great that you at least have, you know, that resource. So if you're working with a client and you have all of these other things. Um, But what are your cheat foods? What do you love to eat in quarantine or not? (laughs) I'm a really boring eater. For one, I I don't like cooking. And so I just, I'm I'm like a functional eater. I probably, if somebody else had my daily food, they'd be completely bored. I also have a lot of GI issues that until I can go get some procedures done when everything's lifted, I've been trying to just kind of not eat anything that new because I just don't know how my body's going to react to it. So, but I do really like Mexican food. I can't have gluten anymore. Otherwise Mm -hmm. my would have been. 
been a breakfast burrito. So I'll get like a plate version of it. I think I've done that once during quarantine because I just was craving it. So. And we have the best Mexican food oh. in the country because of Mexico being underneath us. <laughs> oh, that's tough. And it's also tough with, with um, like celiacs and things like that with any kind of a gluten intolerance or GI. It's hard to work out because sometimes you get bloated and you really don't know. Like you said, you don't know how you're going to feel, how to react. And do you go into a workout hungry or do you eat something first? And then you don't know how you're going to react. It's, it's tough. And there's a lot of issues here. Um, but one, I want to touch back on just really quickly. I love your philosophy on just, you know, not being hard on yourself because we live in a city that is, you know, perfectionism as far as body. It's the Mecca of bodybuilding from, you know, the Venice, California, the image, and we have the film industry here. So people get so warped in what's normal. And I, I feel like LA is a microcosm of what is not the rest of the country. I mean, you even go outside of California, outside of LA, it's, it's a little bit more lenient on that. So I like that you touched on not being so obsessed with the quarantine weight and things like that, letting yourself just allow yourself a little bit of a break and be kind to yourself. Yeah. I, you know, I, I never, I'm always, um, I don't know. I don't want to curse, but I always, I'm like F the scale. Like I you always, can. Say, <laughs> come on Jersey. <laughs> well, I'm always like, fuck the scale. It's just a number. It's not the whole story. And I'm not anti people wanting to lose weight. I've just seen it when people are so focused on a number, it just messes with them and they can become, and I know it's the same thing for me. Like I don't even have a scale anymore because when I would weigh myself, I would weigh myself four times a day and be like, why am I a pound more? You know? And so I just think there's a real propensity to get obsessed with it. And so I always encourage my clients to have goals. And then when you focus on other things, weight loss will happen. It's a byproduct of it, but, you know, focus on things like wanting to get stronger. Maybe, you know, people come in and they're like, my cardio is terrible. So like, let's get you to working for 20 straight minutes. And that's your goal. And you're going to lose weight in the process without it being the, the central thing that's driving how you're feeling about yourself and how you feel about your workouts and all that. So I'm kind of more about, you know, work on yourself in terms of what you have control of right now. And that's a byproduct of, of weight loss. Absolutely. Different. And in the pandemic, we know that this hits the obese 10 times worse um, with the coronavirus. So that even that would be a great thing to tell clients. I'm sure like, just get healthy. The healthier we are, the, the higher our immunity system is, is, you know, can fight, can fight these battles. So Anyway, well, how about any goals for the future? What I, I'm so proud of you for leaving corporate America because I did the same and I've never looked back. There's yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's like, oh, I miss that steady paycheck. Like, it, you, like you know, it's coming where you have a little more, you've got to have a little more hustle as freelancers, but I like the game. I like the game and I like to win the game or <laughs> lose, 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 win, you know, that kind of thing. Um, any future goals? For yourself. No, it's, it's so hard to answer that because before the quarantine, I had goals around, you know, number of hours I wanted to train people because that equated to dollars and kind of what I feel like I need to make to sustain myself because I'm still not at that point in my fitness career. And then, you know, with the, <laughs> with the quarantine, everything just changes. So, you know, I, I, I've been focusing still on kind of keeping my personal training clients happy. It's a lot harder to get new clients from a one-on-one -on -one perspective, but you know, I've been doing virtual group classes and I changed my model because I've gotten burned out in the past of just, you know, people come and go and it's really hard to keep it at a point where it makes financial sense for me to reserve slots and have, you know, two people show up and 
So I got burned out even trying doing that during quarantine. So now I have people doing like their host and then I get a flat rate. It makes my life so much easier. I don't have to recruit people. And so I don't know. So I kind of just am taking it one day as it comes because I just, nobody knows what it's going to look like. Fitness won't be the same. I don't think people are in my clients at least are in no rush to get back to a gym, you know? So I think, I don't know what that's going to mean in terms of getting new clients. So I don't know. I don't really have goals per se, because I don't think anybody does. It's, you can't really define it, but you've got a good attitude about it. And it's forcing you to think creatively outside right. of the box. A lot of us are so, but yeah. Missy Berkowitz, dig your deepest, keep going. I, I, I can't wait to take a class when I'm off these <laughs> metal rubber, very sick. <laughs> they're getting old, but anyway, best of luck to you. What a, what a pleasure. And I will put all of your social media and every single piece of how people can get in touch with you in the link and you'll be going up soon. So thank you so much for joining me today. And that was Missy Berkowitz of Dig Your Deepest online training. Many of her workouts incorporate innovative strong board balance boards that restore balance, burn calories in less time, increase flexibility and range of motion, and so much more. Missy would like to offer our listeners her discount code for free shipping, which is a savings of $25 to $40 off. Simply go to strongboardbalance.com and enter DYD in the discount area. DYD is, again, dig your deepest. I'll include all the links discussed in this podcast below. Please stay tuned in next week to learn about Madison Chase Fitness, the world's toughest celebrity trainer and the world's only three-time ESPN Miss Fitness champion. Thank you again, and please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Luminary Tuned In, or at Believe.com. You can reach out to me for any questions or topics you'd like covered on the show at Ann McDaniels, A-N-N-E-M-C-D-A-N-I-E-L-S. I'll see you next time on SoCal Sweat. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.